do your homework because they also provide a lot of free education. They do self-directed custodians do tons of webinars and they're going to tell you exactly what you can and can't do. And they're there to help you and to, to keep you out of trouble with taxes, you know, so you're not doing something that's a prohibited transaction. That's their job. So if people take one thing from this podcast, educate yourself about a self-directed IRA or 401k because they're a great opportunity um, to grow wealth tax deferred. You're listening to Ice Cream with Investors, a podcast that is dedicated to teaching you how to better invest your money so that you can live a more intentional life. I'm your host, Matt Four, and it is my goal to teach and empower you to remove the roadblocks to your financial success. All right, welcome back to the show, everyone. Today we have on Heather Dreves, who is the Director of Funding at Secured Investment Corp. Secured Investment Corp focuses on the residential real estate space and is one of the fastest growing companies in the private money marketplace in the United States. Heather is passionate about helping self-employed entrepreneurs and their families build wealth by helping them deploy capital in high-yielding, passive investment backed by residential real estate. I'm involved in a couple of different of these investments, uh, and so I'm super excited to have Heather on the show. And I'll just stop there and say, Heather, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. It's quite an honor. I'm excited to be here. Absolutely. Well, we like to start with the difficult questions here. What's your favorite ice cream? (laughs) People are going to think I'm boring because my husband absolutely does, but vanilla. Just plain vanilla. I just like plain vanilla. I don't like all the stuff in it. Um, And then maybe second runner up would be strawberry. So uh, I'm I'm very basic when it comes to ice cream. (laughs) Okay. Are you toppings? No toppings? Uh, I'll do a little bit of toppings, not on the strawberry, but vanilla, maybe some chocolate. Um, but other than that, no. Okay. Okay. And now you're in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. So if we ever mm-hmm. get out to Coeur d'Alene, is there a good spot that you typically go to for your ice cream out there or any you would recommend? Oh, you know, we actually just opened up a new gelato, which I know isn't technically yes. ice cream, but in downtown Coeur d'Alene, we have quite this street of restaurants and th- those types of things. And there's a great little gelato place in downtown Coeur d'Alene. So um, I would suggest that. I love it. I love it. I was in Italy a couple of years ago where I was first exposed to gelato and continued to eat it twice a day for the entire week. I was there. It's really so good. <laughs> I actually think gelato is better than ice cream as a whole. I agree. (laughs) All right. Well, Heather, tell our listeners, what's the scoop? What do you do today? Yeah. Well, I guess the scoop in in a in a quick answer, um, because I could probably talk for hours about what we do, but uh, we really assist investors, um, whether they are active or passive, um, in ways that they can create wealth for themselves and their family. I do focus uh, mainly um, within the company around helping and assisting our investors that are looking for passive investments um, in an alternative real estate asset class. Uh, so, you know, my, my expertise and probably my niche is working with individuals, you know, and a lot of them are previous active real estate investors or, or currently active that are looking to just really diversify and, and continue to do their, their active things that they're doing, uh, but are also looking for something passive. Um, a lot of our clients are self-employed professionals, dentists, doctors, you know, that are just very busy people that, again, are, are looking for a way to deploy their capital in a passive environment, but something that's also backed in real estate. So they're not having to go out and fix and flip themselves, deal with tenants and toilets and lend their own money, which is just, I hear horror stories about that every day I get calls. Um, And so we're really just here to assist people um, and our clients to create wealth for themselves, but more in a passive environment. That's awesome. But before we get there and talk about Secured Investment Corp, where did your real estate journey begin? How did you get involved? 
Well, I always had a little bit of background in real estate. My parents have always done very well with it. You know, they we weren't um, high net worth individuals, but I always saw the benefits of my dad buying real estate and selling it here and there. And, you know, the the wealth that my parents created for themselves outside of their everyday jobs and, and was was interested and fascinated in it. But then I was introduced to the private money industry 18 years ago. And, you know, I think for most folks, they think that they have to have their own capital to invest in real estate. And when I was exposed to the private money industry, it was just so eye-opening. From the point of view of a real estate investor that wants to buy the real estate, but maybe doesn't have all the funds, I had no idea that there was these opportunities out there. And so my husband and I, who my husband's background, he's a regional sales manager, but Prior to that, when we were first married and poor, uh, he was building homes. He was building log homes, so he's very handy. So we started dipping our toes in the fix and flip business, you know, outside of our day jobs, and saw just the huge opportunity to, you know, continue doing our full time jobs and our careers, but also add this extra wealth and opportunity for our own family. Then we dipped our toes into rentals, and lucky, luckily enough, we've had great tenants. Uh, And just, you know, um, we personally just took down a a five acre property in Idaho that I know for a fact, had we not been able to access private money and close the deal quick, we would have lost out on it. So um, that was kind of my path to it. And I just think the sky's the limit. You know, so many people are one, afraid to pull the trigger and do the deal and two are held back because they don't think they have enough funds to do it. And they don't understand that if it's a good deal, the money will come. The hardest part is finding the good deal. So that was really my path into real estate investing. Yeah, especially in today's environment, the deal is definitely the hardest part about finding it. Yep. But now you've got to close it once you find it. Um, did you all get into the fix and flip space because your husband was handy? Or how did you get exposed to that space and then start to start to get into it? Well, the original private lender I worked with, we focused around owner-occupied private loans. That is non-existent anymore. Um, But when I came to Secured Investment Corp and started learning more about rehabbing houses, um, we saw the opportunity for that. And through actually our education here at our company, I learned how to find the deals, how to make the offer. I had no idea. You know, um, as you probably know, Matt, you know, it's a lot of knocking on doors, making calls, sending letters, finding distressed sellers, out of town homeowners. So, um, you know, really better understanding how that strategy worked and getting those types of deals under contract. Um, And then obviously my connections and, and knowing that there is private money out there to take the deals down was just a blessing in addition to all of that. Yeah. It's just funny to hear like how people kind of get into their little niches and different resources that they find. And um, one of the things that I found interesting about Secured Investment Corp when doing some research is you all started out as an educational company, if I'm not mistaken. Is that right? Yeah, that's absolutely correct. And we still are an educational company. Our our founder, Lee Arnold, has always been in the education space. And, you know, we have multiple different strategies we teach, you know, everything from the new investor that knows nothing about buying an investment property up to somebody that maybe wants to set up a business, brokering loans, rehabbing houses. Uh, and what he found was, this is great. All these people can find these deals, but there's no funding for it. You know, banks are extremely difficult to work with. We teach people to buy the ugliest house on the block, which typically means the, the current value of it is, is much lower. You know, they're doing a value add. Um, most banks won't look at that. They won't look at, they don't see the vision with the after repair value. And so on the flip side of it, there's all these other clients that 
love the real estate asset class, but they don't want to do it themselves. They don't want to find the deals. And so really matching borrowers that were looking for funding and investors that wanted to deploy capital was this perfect world. And so that's really where we started getting into the note sales, selling our notes, selling or trustees, whatever you want to call it. And then realized also that the real estate funds were a nice option because not everybody wanted to take the risk on a buying a note. I mean, the risk is someone might not make a payment. So you as a note buyer need to be prepared to step up and, and be willing to foreclose. And so the, the funds were just a natural progression because people love it. It's still the same asset class as notes, but they don't have any of the headaches of it. We manage it for them. And, and we are the experts. We have a massive team behind us between servicing, construction draw management, underwriting, you know, originating. The funds are just a nice option. They, they reap the benefits of it, but they don't have any of the work and the headaches of, of doing it themselves. Yeah, so I want to get into a couple uh, foundational terms just to make sure our listeners are, are um, understanding kind of the, the topics that we'll go through. First and sure. foremost, could you help us understand what is private money? When we talk about private money, what does that mean? Private money is money or capital that is is made available by one-off investors, you know, individuals that have capital they're trying to invest. Some of it, and we're seeing this more, and I don't know if you've noticed this, but we're starting to see Wall Street money come into the private money industry. But it essentially, because we only lend on properties that are non-owner occupied, you don't have all the red tape that you do of an owner occupied loan. It's not regulated. It's for business purposes only. And so private money and private money lenders have the ability to make their own guidelines, you know, and, and we don't have to answer to anybody for that. We're not doing owner occupied lending. Um, we only lend to entities uh, and it's for business purposes only. Regardless, it is backed by a piece of, of real estate, but um, there, you don't have to follow all the usury concerns and the predatory lending concerns and licenses and things like that. So it really truly is private. It's a private industry. Yeah. When I was first getting involved in, I've done a couple rehabs, I've done a couple fix and flipses, I've done a couple burrs, I've moved out of that space. But when I first started getting involved in that space, I really just focused on bank loans. And for those investors out there that are pretty seasoned, you understand when I say bank loan, how frustrated you get just by hearing that term. I remember, yeah. Heather, the last loan I did through a bank, I had to send over a gigabyte worth of data. And a gigabyte worth of data is a lot of files. I mean, I needed <laughs> all the different bank accounts I have. I needed to give them the last three months. I had to give all my different IRAs, 401ks, wow. brokerage accounts, just all of this kind of stuff. And so if you think about the kind of competitive market that we're in today, you can't find a good deal, distressed property ready to go unless you can close fast. And when yep. you're hearing cash buyer out there today, it's not that that investor has cash, it's that they have access to cash and access to capital. Right. And that's more important than having the cash in your bank account. Um, but I'm, I'm going to throw a curveball into some of our listeners that maybe this is their first time hearing it and say, what kind of interest rates do you charge on your private loans? Right. And, and that is something that, you know, some of your more traditional borrowers that have you know, historically went to a bank is a little tough to swallow. I'd say our average rates are 10% and one point. But what you have to keep in mind, and you hit the nail on the head, it's, it's you are paying for the ability to move quickly. I mean, we as a lender, we can close a loan in two weeks. I mean, we understand our markets. You know, obviously we have underwriting criteria and guidelines, but providing we get all that information and we can get title insurance in place, 
And we believe it's a good deal. It's not only a good deal for the borrower, but also is the asset there. We will close that deal because one, we underwrite to the asset. Is there equity there? Is this a viable property? In the event that we get it back, do we understand what our exit strategy is? But I think we are a little different than most private lenders because we also want the borrower to be successful. And we want to set our borrowers up for success so that they come back to us. I, we've turned deals down in lender committee because it was a bad deal for the borrower, not for us. We were well secured, but the borrower wasn't going to make any money. And people don't, you know, borrowers don't want to hear that. Um, but I'll tell you this much, those borrowers have came back to us and said, oh my gosh, thank you. At the time, I didn't think you were doing me a favor. Um, and so, you know, to answer your question, yeah, you are going to pay more for capital from a private lender, but it's a cost of doing business, right? It, it may mean you don't get the deal, you know, if you're trying to go through a bank. Banks are just, I, I dread getting financing from a bank for exactly that reason. You know, it takes two, three months to get anything approved and closed. And by the time they actually get ready to close it, usually you have to update all the information you already sent them because it's outdated. Um, and so really the ability to move quick and, and get a deal funded um, because that those are the people that are winning those deals, right? Um, sellers aren't going to wait around for three months for you to close a deal. Right. And that's the, the thing I want to pull out of this is when you say 10%, there might be folks on the other side of this uh, conversation that are thinking, holy smokes, why would I do that when I can go get a 2.5, 3 3.5% uh, interest rate at a bank? And it's really the speed. The best deal I have ever done in my real estate career, we were able to close it in three days because I had access to that capital. Now I paid 11% on that. So, I mean, I paid a pretty penny to, to have access to that capital. Yeah. But we pumped twenty thousand dollars into an eighty thousand dollar property, so I'm in it for a hundred. It appraised for a hundred and fifty, and so wow. I pulled out a hundred and ten, and now the property is worth two twenty. So I mean, it was an overall good deal, and that's what I would encourage folks to to really think about when they're hearing this conversation: is it don't look at the numbers, just make sure <laughs> your numbers make sense to you. And if it yep. does, don't worry about the interest that you're paid because you've set up a relationship with a private lender that will help you accelerate your growth. If, if this is the space that you're in. Well, and having those types of lenders in your back pocket are invaluable. You know, the ability to send an email or send a text message and they understand if it's a good deal or not and they can move is, I don't know that you can put a price on that. Yep, yep. So I want to talk a little bit about more about what you're doing over there in the three different types of businesses that you have beyond the uh -huh. education. It sounds like you sell real estate notes. You also have two different funds. Um, mm -hmm. Let's start with the note space. Could you help us uh, understand, like, first of all, what is a note? And then you said sure. trust deed. Help us understand what a trust deed is. Okay. So we, as I said, we are a private lender. And so when we provide these loans to real estate investors, we are securing our loans with a lien against a property. So we're, we're, we're just like a mortgage lender. We're just like people's bank on their primary residence. We will lien the property. Um, we do only lend in a first lien position um, because we do feel like you're best secured in a first lien position. Um, so when we sell what we call a note or a trust deed, the trust deed is just the security instrument that is recorded against the property. Some states use a trust deed, some states use a mortgage. So that is essentially the same thing other than the foreclosure process. I'm not gonna get into the weeds with that, but that is, essentially the security instrument against the property that gives the lender the ability to legally foreclose if a borrower defaults on their note. 
A note is the same thing, but what they're referring to is the promissory note. So when individuals or companies buy our notes, we assign our interest in the promissory note to them and we assign our interest in the trustee or the mortgage to them. So now they have the ability to collect the payments and we actually service all the notes. So when John Smith buys that note from us, we set them up in servicing. And when that borrower makes their payment every month, those payments are sent to John Smith. So I would tell you that our clients that buy notes are probably a little more risk adverse. Um, they like to have a little more control over what they fund, meaning maybe they like only things in Tennessee or maybe they only like notes in Idaho. In my opinion, they are a little more of an active investor, um, but what is securing their money is the lien against that property. And that's what they like about it. We don't lend more than 70% of the value. So these notes and these trustees have a 30% equity play in them. And my guys are saying, okay, don't pay me. I'll take that back all day long. 10% sounds real nice on my money, but I like 30% even more. But there's, there's you know, nuances to that. They might take a property back that's distressed and now they have to clean it up. There may be a tenant in it they need to evict. So there's, there are caveats to buying notes, but essentially you are buying a lien against a property when you buy a note. The notes that we sell are the notes that we originate. So these are all fully underwritten. We actually are different than most because we close those notes and we close those on our fund. So what I tell people is, the fund is the same asset class. The notes you're buying that we sell are the same notes that are in our fund, but in a fund environment, I think you're more diversified. You might have $100,000 and you can buy one note where you could take that $100,000, put it in the fund and it's spread over 500 notes. And so if someone stops paying, you don't see the pain as much as the one note, right? Um, and you also don't have the headaches. We manage that for our clients. And so our clients that want something just really, really passive, they want to park it and forget it, and they want to get their quarterly earnings, they love the fund because they get the benefit of it, but none of the headaches that can come along with it. And I don't tell people that to scare them off from notes and trustees because we sell a lot of notes, but it's, it really is, in my opinion, a completely different client. Um, again, I think your note buyers are going to be my more active clients and the, the fund clients. And some do both. I had a guy today. He deployed $500,000. He put 400 in, in notes and bought or put 100 grand in our fund just to diversify. So um, they're both great opportunities, but just really different types of, of investments, in my opinion. Yeah. So I want to break down a couple of things there. First of all, a note is really just the promise between lender and borrower. Essentially, it is the piece of paper. And I personally have invested in quite a few notes and I like them because of what you said. It's consistent cash flow backed by real estate. And I have bought distressed notes. So I am mm -hmm. buying them at 40 cents on the dollar. So yep. again, if that borrower wants to default, that's okay with me because there's 60% equity in that property that I'll just take it over, maybe just resell it to a wholesaler or maybe fix yep. and flip it depending on what I want to do at that point. But when you're doing a note, you're only doing first lien. So that means mm -hmm. that that person has first access in case of something happening to the right of to get their money back. Whereas second lien and third liens, when you start going down the stack, those people have to get paid first. So I really like that you guys are focused really on that first lien position there. Um, and then the last thing and most critical thing, and I want to make sure we don't miss it, is you all service the notes too. Yeah. So I like to say there, there's 
there's the difference between actually lending out your money in a private investment and then collecting that yes. money on the back end. <laughs> and I am very fortunate to have servicers take care of all that for me. But if you're getting in this space, do not overlook the fact that if those borrowers stop paying, it is incumbent upon you to go follow the laws and the foreclosure process and things like that. So that's just absolutely tremendous that you all do that as well. No, that's a great point. I mean, I, I get clients call me all the time. Hey, I bought a note from so-and-so. I met this guy at some investment club and I lent him some money and he was paying me for a while and now he's not paying and I'll, I'll ask them, where are you servicing it? Oh, I, I was doing it myself. And it's like, um, well, did you, did you make sure the lien was recorded? Did you get title insurance? Oh, I didn't know I needed to do that. And I hear this story it, constantly and it's like, oh my gosh, please don't ever do that again. And, you know, if you're not going to buy paper from us or notes, that's fine, but do your due diligence and yeah. close it through an escrow company, make sure it's serviced somewhere um, because it's great when they're paying. And then the problems start when they stop paying. So yeah. Um, I think that's a great point. We actually do outside servicing also. So we have clients that will buy notes other places and bring them to us um, also to, to service for them. So it is $25 a month. Like it is minimal for the amount of headache. They do the collection calls and the year tax information. It, it is $25 well spent. Yeah, that's what I think people miss too, is there's a whole compliance around making sure you're getting them the tax benefits and yep. also amortizing the note. Like it's pretty easy if somebody has a $900 payment to just pay you $900 a month. But what if they pay you $902 one month? Mm -hmm. What if they pay you $897 the next month? Like you're having to figure that out in the amortization tables, which if you've got the software for it, then fine. But most right. people who are getting into this space probably don't at their first. Yeah. Um, so your funds, um, I want to go into those a little bit. You've got an accredited fund and a non-accredited fund. Before we get there, what does it mean to be an accredited investor? Sure. Or what does it mean to be a non-accredited investor? No, I think that's a good question. So just for clarification, this is not our definition. The Securities and Exchange um, defines this. So they define an accredited investor of at one or two ways. Either you can qualify as an accredited investor with your income. So they say that if you've had $200,000 a year for the past two consecutive years as an individual or 300 as a married couple, you would be defined as an accredited investor. Or if you have a million dollars in assets, excluding any equity you have in your primary residence, and they also take into consideration your liabilities. So You've got a million and a half dollars in in assets, but you owe a million. You're not defined as accredited, um, so it's one or the other. Um, and and again, this is the SEC's ruling. A lot of funds require you to be an accredited investor because of the filing they did with the SEC, which is exactly the way our first fund was set up. It's called a 506C fund, um, and that is is the definition that the SEC requires us to confirm. Thank you for that. That's pretty, it's pretty straightforward. And, and yeah, just to double down, it is an SEC regulation. It is not Heather or Secured Investment Corps saying we don't want your money. It's the SEC. Um, in your funds, though, I know we were chatting a little bit. It sounds like you all do the originations and you, you, um, you write paper or write the notes for some of your investors that are fixing and flipping, but also mm -hmm. doing a little bit of flipping as well inside of your funds. Can you talk about like why did you decide to go with that strategy and maybe some of the benefits there? 
Yeah, absolutely. So when we started dipping our toes into the fund management business 10 years ago, um, one of the biggest concerns we had is relying on one source of profit for the fund. And we were very concerned about that because when things are great and you're busy, it's great. And, and raising capital is a big part of the, the you know, um, challenge with a fund. But the, the other challenge is deploying the capital. You could raise a bunch of capital and then have it sitting there undeployed and be the worst fund manager ever. And so you know, our concern again went back to, well, if we rely only on originations, meaning lending the money out and things get slow, what are we going to do? So what we decided um, that we would set up as our business model for our funds is we would take 75% of our fund balances and we lend that money out. So whatever our fund balance is at any given time, 75% of it is lent out through the loans that we originate. So these funds create revenue for the fund members through things like origination points and interest payments paid. Then we take, and we do that nationwide, and then we take the other 25% of the fund balance and we buy real estate with that. Um, but that is focused only in our local market. So very specifically, Coeur d'Alene, Idaho and Spokane, Washington. Um, you mentioned we have an education program. We do not teach our students, nor do we encourage them to rehab houses when they're five states over. Um, and we practice what we preach. So we actually have an acquisition team that essentially just sits and finds deals for us all day. They're, they're on calling lists. They're finding out-of-state homeowners to stress properties in our local market. Um, they will bring those up to the fund managers. There's three of us to include myself. We decide if we want to buy it. And then we actually have gone a step further. Um, we, we believe in being really organic here and keeping things in-house. We have a contracting crew. So now we don't have to wait for subcontractors. We're a licensed Devonda contractor. We can get in, rehab them. I mean, we had someone move out of a house this morning that we had to evict and our contracting crew was right behind them to start rehabbing it. So we can get in and out of those deals fast. But that way, if we know, and we have a very close pulse on our origination team, we know exactly what's coming down the pipeline. If we know we're a little slower and we see more opportunities that we can purchase, you know, on the real estate side of things, we can make up for that. So it has really helped us have more of a balance yield. You don't see a, the dips, you know, the highs and the lows and the earnings. Um, they're very consistent. Yeah. Not a lot of houses, I'm assuming, being bought and sold in Spokane and Coeur d'Alene during the winter time. So I think <laughs> when I heard you talk about that, I thought it was one of the most brilliant strategies out there, just simply because too, if you're lending to a borrower in your local market and they mm -hmm. default, you already have the team in place to go over, take yep. that property over, insert contractors the, the very same day and start that rehab again to, to get your capital back uh, quickly. And I would be remiss to say, not to say too, man, you all are in one fantastic market in <laughs> we are <laughs> Spokane. And, and for those that aren't aware of what's going on up there, it's just, wasn't it named like one of the best residential real estate yep. markets in 2022? It was. And so they just came out with a report that uh, was reporting on the median home price in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. Just to give you perspective, two years ago, it was about 250000 um, Today, it's 400000 is the median wow. home price. Like it wow. is just, you know, we are getting a lot of transplants here, um, which is good for the housing market. But unfortunate for locals because now they're they're kind of priced out of the market. But as a fund management team, we also look at that as opportunities. So now we're saying, okay, multifamily, you know, rentals. Um, there's a huge rental market here right now. So I think just having your pulse on the market and 
you know, not just looking at what's happening immediately, but what the effects are going to be six, 12 months down the road. Um, and, and, you know, being a step ahead of that um, has also helped us be real successful from a fund management perspective. Yeah. Well, and anybody watching our video replay here and sees your background of Coeur there <laughs> understands why so many people want to move there. Um, but I love that that you have options for accrediting investors, but hey, if you don't meet that $200,000 a year for the past two years or minimum million dollar net mm-hmm. worth minus your, your primary home, then you also have a non-accredited option as well that I think if I remember correctly, starts off at like $1,000. Is that yeah. right? Yep, we we were pretty excited. We three years ago decided to dive into what's called the Regulation A plus fund, um, and it's not an easy process to get approved for, nor is it inexpensive by any means. But we felt a big disconnect because we were able to service our high net worth individuals and our people that had enough capital to buy notes. But we had so many people that would call up and say, hey, I have this little account or I have this IRA I just started. I just funded with my $6,500. What can I deploy that in? We had nothing. And so we decided to be able to service everybody. And and our, our goal for everybody is to become a high net worth accredited investor. But if they don't start somewhere, they will never get there. Um, and so we opened up uh, what we call the Circle of Wealth Fund 3. It does have a minimum investment of $1,000. Um, we work with tons of clients that have self-directed IRAs, um, self-directed 401ks, you know, that worked somewhere five years ago and never did anything with their 401k that they left from. Um, we have the ability to help them get that moved over, you know, to a, a still a tax deferred account with a self-directed custodian. And it, the fund is perfect for that, for those small dollar balances. I even have a lot of high net worth individuals that have children and other family members that aren't necessarily accredited. And we've been able to help them start create wealth for themselves. So um, it's been really good for us. And, you know, we, we pride ourselves on being able to help anybody um, because we do believe in just taking action and starting. Yeah. And I like that idea of starting small too, because I, a couple of years ago, what decided to siphon off some of my W-2 paycheck and beyond 401ks and real estate and things like that, just put a thousand dollars a month into a little Vanguard account. And I checked the other day and it's like six figures. I mean, so it you adds forget up quick. Those, it, those little compounding actions add up quick, but you mentioned self-directed IRAs and 401ks, and it's been a while since we've had a conversation about this on the podcast. So I, I want to go into that just for a quick minute. Most investors don't know that they have access to money in their IRA accounts and 401k mm-hmm. accounts that they can deploy into alternative assets. It doesn't all have to be through Fidelity, Vanguard, Schwab, and yep. the big players out there. They can deploy it into real estate. Um, can you talk to our listeners about like what is a self-directed IRA? How do they get involved and how do they get started through that process? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think the first thing to explain is what a self-directed custodian is. There are a lot of them out there and they're, you know, much like a Fidelity or a Vanguard or, you know, some of those other um, financial institutions where you can set up, you know, investment accounts and create an IRA. Um, What a self-directed custodian does for those types of accounts is it is a company that you can move those accounts over to. So that means you don't have to take a disbursement on your IRA and get taxed on that or a disbursement on your 401k. You actually roll those accounts over. So now, you know, Alto IRA is your new custodian, but now you're in the driver's seat and you're deciding where you want to invest your money and you're not paying a financial advisor some insane commissions. And I'm not here to say, your money out of the stock market and and put it all with us. That's not 
what I'm saying. I'm just saying, look at diversifying. And I do think more people in this industry and this world are taking action and saying and educating themselves. You know, there oh, there are alternative assets out there that can get me higher yields and has tangible assets securing my money. And so these custodians are a way for you guys to move those accounts over. And now you start directing where you're going to invest it. You can buy notes with it. You can buy, um, you can invest in funds with it. Um, most people that have left a previous employer probably had some kind of a 401k. If you are currently working where your 401k is, you're probably not going to be able to do anything. But if you have an old 401k, these custodians will also help search for those accounts. I have an employee I'm helping right now. She knows where one of her accounts is and she has two others. And Alto IRA is doing a search for her and they're going to find those accounts for her. And those custodians are amazing because they help you move it all over. I think most people don't do anything because they don't even know where to start. They don't know who to call. They don't know what the process is. That's what your custodian does for you. And they help you get that money moved over. And then you can start you know, directing where you're going to invest it. And there's so many other options out there, um, you know, and I understand financial advisors, money managers, that's how they make a living. I have no problems with that. Um, what I do have a problem with is they're very reluctant to, to talk about other alternative investments out there unless they're getting paid a commission on it. And we don't pay investment advisors commissions. We're a privately managed fund. And so I think that the more people can take better control of their own situation and educate themselves, self-directed accounts are awesome. You can now set up health savings accounts with self-directed custodians, mm -hmm. college savings accounts. So um, I encourage people, if you have questions about that, I would love to give you referrals for that. Um, we've worked with probably everyone out there and I'll, I'll give you my opinion of, of you know, my top three or four um, and do your homework because they also provide a lot of free education. They do those self-directed custodians do tons of webinars and they're going to tell you exactly what you can and can't do. And they're there to help you and to, to keep you out of trouble with taxes, you know, so you're not doing something that's a prohibited transaction. That's their job. So um, if, if, if people take one thing from this podcast Educate yourself about a self-directed IRA or 401k because they're a great opportunity um, to grow wealth tax deferred. Yeah, I completely agree. I like to keep I like to consider myself as pretty financially astute. And I had mm -hmm. no idea you could do this until like two years ago. And mm -hmm. so you can invest in real estate, you can invest in businesses, you can invest in cryptocurrencies if you wanted yep. to. I think the only real uh things that you can invest in are collectibles and jewelry and things that are um, hard to put a tangible value on, but uh, I'll give a quick plug for Peter Thiel. He turned like $5,000 into $5 billion by using his self-directed IRA yep. to pump it into private businesses, all tax advantaged. So he's, I, know. I mean, it's one of the craziest stories out there. And this is, these are the tools that people use to legally avoid and reduce their tax burdens and become wealthy in the process. So yeah, I would be remiss if we just skipped right over that and didn't. didn't no, I'm glad you there. touched base on it. I would say 90% of my clients use some kind of a self-directed account. And, and these aren't accounts with $10,000 in it. We're talking several million and they've done it through real estate. I mean, yep. a lot of them have bought and sold real estate through their IRA. They've funded notes. You know, you were talking about buying discounted notes, do that through your IRA. Then when you have, see a 60% yield on it, that goes back in tax deferred into your IRA. Yep. So yeah. yeah. And, and I, I love the idea too, of if you have kids out there, you can pay your kids to help you with your businesses. So if they're five to 12 years old, 
Mm-hmm. I mean, you call someone like Heather and all of a sudden you've got a thousand dollars in their RA that's just starting to compound and build that well. So fantastic there. Um, Heather, I want to switch us now to our last round. We're calling these the five toppings. Our first one is what's your favorite book or what's a book you've read recently that's giving you a paradigm shift? Yeah. So one of the ones I've read probably in the last 12 months that really kind of hit home for me was Atomic Habits. I follow Ben Bergeron, CrossFit guy, and he has a great reading list. And I got that from him. And I just think habits are so important. Um, And it's interesting to me how hard it is to break bad habits. And, you know, um, so that one hit home for me. Yeah. Fantastic book. And if you, if you're not a reader out there, James Clear is the author. He's even better speaker. I've heard him speak a couple of times too. And he's a great speaker too. So yeah. Um, our second one is I believe the person you become 10 years from now is directly correlated to the things that you do every day and the habits that you have. Mm-hmm. What are some of the things that you do every single day? So reading 30 minutes in the morning, setting my pace for the day, um, daily exercise. Uh, it's not to say that I don't fall off the exercise wagon once in a while, but I do think, um, for a clear mind, that is extremely important. Um, and gratitude, just being grateful for the things around you. I think people get very caught up in the rat race, um, and, you know, um, focused more on goals for themselves and things that they want, um, being grateful, especially for clients and helping them be successful. The rest just falls in line. Yeah. I love the idea of practicing gratitude every day. I went to, um, Tanzania one time, uh, to climb Kilimanjaro. And I remember, uh, coming back from that world, there were no street lights. The folks that were climbing the mountains were wearing cardboard on their feet. And I'm like, man, you want to talk about problems? Like I have no problems if these people are out there working this hard to, to just make a living. Right. Um, our third one is what's the best piece of advice you've ever received? The best piece of advice I probably received is taking action. Um, and especially with real estate, you know, I think the hardest thing to do is to put the offer in and it's scary. You know, um, people, I think a lot of our clients that aren't successful, aren't successful because they just don't take the action. And whether that's buying real estate, investing, you have to take the action and you just have to do it. Um, you know, and, and getting outside of your comfort zone, you know, uh, I think that's a big part of it also. Yep. I like to say, find that five minute task that you can consistently do every single day just to start moving the ball down the line. But, um, our fourth one is what's the thing that you're most proud of in your life? Uh, probably my kids. Yeah. I know that sounds super cliche, but, uh, I think as a parent, you know, we've got a, a almost 24 year old and a 21 year old. And there's times where it's like, Oh my God, are they going to make it? <laughs> but you know, they're both at this age where, and I, you and I were talking before the podcast, um, and our younger son who's away at college, sometimes he calls and says things and I'm like, who has taken over his body? Like, oh my God, he actually heard something we said. Um, but you know, they're both really hard workers, you know, have they had a, a fairly privileged life probably, but I know for a fact, and I feel confident and both my husband and I feel the same way. We were talking about it at dinner last night that we know that out in the real world as adults, they're going to be just fine. They're coachable kids. And I think that is an attribute from playing sports. You know, I know that they can be coached by a boss or a coach or, you know, whatever the case may be, and they're going to be fine. They can take constructive criticism and they're super hard workers. So um, honestly, I think they're probably what I'm most proud of. Yeah. And good parents. Yeah. (laughs) Well, our last one is if you could sit down and eat a bowl of ice cream with anyone dead or alive, who would it be and why? 
You know, I think it would be Warren Buffett. I'm kind of on a Warren Buffett kick right now, um, reading stuff, lots of stuff about him online and just how simple he is, um, you know, from the car he drives. But, you know, he, he has a lot of very good habits. You know, he's very intentional about what he does. Uh, and I think that just sitting down and learning more about him would probably be my person. Yeah. And very patient. And um, mm-hmm. it's funny reading some of his stuff. He said in the 60s, 70s and 80s and his shareholder letters and things like that. I mean, it is just very, very good, timeless advice. So I, yeah. I love that answer. Well, Heather, this is fantastic. Uh, I think you're a wealth of knowledge from notes to fix and flip to the self-directed IRAs and 401ks. If our listeners wanted to reach out to you and learn more about you and what you're doing over at Secured Investment Corp, where's the best place we can point them? So best place to go to is our website. Um, It is securedinvestmentcorp.com. When you're there, we have actually all of our notes for sale on there. So that's kind of neat to poke around on that. Even if you're not in the market, Um, look at what we're closing and what we're selling. You can get a little bit better idea for what kind of lender we are. Um, And the same website, um, securedinvestmentcorp.com, you can uh, learn more about our funds and you can actually schedule an appointment with myself or someone on my team. Um, There's just three of us. So we're a pretty small department. We're very hands-on and we'd love to talk with people. really even just educating them about self-directed IRAs. I'd love to give people content about that and some referrals um, to do their homework on that and um, you know, talk to them about the funds. I think the funds are a very passive way to deploy some capital in a real estate environment where you don't have to do much of anything. Um, and I think we've got a great track record. So just visit our site and we can get you more information about any of that. Absolutely. Well, we'll link all that in the show notes. And I just want to say thanks again, Heather, for being on the show. Absolutely. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Ice Cream with Investors. If you like what we serve you here, it would mean the world to me if you would like, subscribe, and leave a review on your favorite podcast app.